It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August 11th, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well. Looking forward to our discussion tonight. You participate by calling 877-381-4567. You email questions at collegeview.com or you join in the chat room with other listeners. If you're listening to us live on the program tonight, that window is below your video feed. And uh, sign in there and comment with other listeners. Looking forward to a good discussion tonight. Jacob, we have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, we're welcoming David Simmons, uh, who's out near Fort Worth, Texas tonight. He lives in Weatherford, Texas. Uh, he's traveling on the road just outside of Fort Worth uh, as he talks to us on the phone. David, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. David, the reason we ask you to join us tonight on the Virtual Bible Study is because you are closely involved in the Cowboy Church movement. We've got a Cowboy Church uh, meeting in our community, uh, not far from where we are right here tonight in Columbia, Tennessee. And there, there, I, I noticed by doing some searching that there's two or three others not too far from our locality. But I think this is really a growing movement. Uh, tell us a little bit about Cowboy Church. Well, I'll tell you how, kind of how it started. We, uh, back in, uh, 1995, there was one in Tomball, Texas. Uh, they met in a barn. There was about 450 people there. That was started by Sean and Charlotte O'Hearn. And then, uh, my wife and I started, uh, starting Calvary churches in auction yard barns. And, uh, we've, uh, We've actually ourselves planted 12 churches and are pastoring uh, number 11 right now uh, over the the last 23 years. But how it uh, how it got going in, in a lot of the cowboy churches you're seeing, uh, as as you can see, you've uh, looked at some of our websites, so you realize that there are a lot of uh, different denominations involved. Uh, some of us are non-denominational, uh, some are charismatic, some are word of faith, some are Baptist, uh, the Assembly of God's got some, uh, cowboy churches, and basically, uh, the cowboy churches were really growing, and, uh, in Texas, uh, in a, in a year and a half, the Southern Baptist Convention started, uh, through what they called the CFCC at that time, which was the Texas Fellowship of Cowboy Churches. They started 450 cowboy churches just in Texas. In one year? And so, in one, in a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of those still exist, and a lot of them just were, uh, something that didn't, didn't stay. Uh, and, uh, that, uh, so, and then, now those are called, once they left Texas and they've been starting them all over, I have a suspicion that probably the one in your community you talked about might be, uh, have a name on the, uh, that they're affiliated with the American Fellowship of Cowboy Churches, which is, uh, that's what became the Southern Baptist. They changed from the PFCC to the AFCC. So, if you see AFCC, that's what that means. Uh, okay, so what but, you're t- what you're telling us then is that not nece- if it just says Cowboy Church per se, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are all. Th- this this is sort of a diverse movement. They're not all associated. They don't all hold to the same doctrines or faith positions. No, no. Some other, uh, some other folks and, getting on the bandwagon, so to speak. And 
fact, I know uh, in Cleburne, Texas, uh, there is a Church of Christ that started a cowboy church there. Uh, so you can see, it's, it's there's a lot of, uh, uh, like you say, diverse groups involved. So not all, not everybody. Uh, now there's there's one of uh, a group that's called. Uh, if you look on the internet, it's called the Cowboy Ministers Network. Uh, Cowboy Ministers Network actually was founded by uh, Glenn Smith and I, and it is a fellowship of cowboy churches and cowboy ministries, because what really started the cowboy church group is a lot of us were traveling to rodeos, team ropings, horse shows, and doing church at all those. Uh, like I've, uh, my wife and I are uh, some of the pastors for the United States team, team roping championships. Uh, I used to do uh, the National Rank Cow Horse Association. Uh, so there's, there's that, and that's what really started the Cowboy Churches in the beginning was because the traveling ministries were doing it in the grandstands on the weekend, and, and it really started catching on, and, and people started looking for them in their community. As I've been thinking about talking with you tonight, David, I, I, I've got a question I'd like to pose to you, just, uh, and see, I'd like to see how you answer it. Okay, so you all are appealing to people who are cowboys, who have an interest in horse riding and roping and, and, and all that sort of thing. And I know that cowboys are very passionate about what they do, obviously. Would, how would you respond to someone who says, is it, is it appropriate to bring in a secular activity, a, a, a hobby or, or something you enjoy doing, and and make that a part of your religious experience. Uh, what if um, maybe uh, and, and maybe they do it. I don't know. But let's say bass fishing uh, participants. You know, uh, what if someone wanted to start the bass fishing church? Or what what if a bunch of auto mechanics said we're going to start the the uh, uh, car rebuilders church? How would you respond to to that question? We we actually had a a pastor that spoke at a Cowboy Ministers uh, conference, he posed that that day. And, uh, you know, he says, what if somebody really likes computers? You know, we have, and, and I'll tell you how we do. Our, ours is a very diverse ministry. Uh, Cowboy Church Ministries, as you've looked at on the Internet, is the traveling part of the ministry. But my wife and I pastor Silverado Cowboy Church. And... Uh, so, in, in Silverado, Cowboy Church has a, uh, our slogan is, for uh, Jesus is King of the Cowboys, but everybody's welcome. And we have a very diverse group of people in, in our own Cowboy Church. Uh, we have uh, one, one guy is a, a programmer for Bank of America. Uh, so, not everybody's Cowboys, you know, there's a, one of the things that we do do, and then and then we've got a, a rancher that drives a uh, hundred miles one way just to get to church, um, because they because they do like church. And actually, all of their kids and everybody who part of them are uh, have been in our church since it started in two thousand. There, um, but the the main thing with the, and, and I don't think there would be matter with doing an outreach of the things that you post. Uh, and really what we do is we also buck bulls and have team ropings at the arena at our church. We do that as an outreach to the high school and college kids. And actually, we, we put a, a name on it. We call it He Paid Your Fees. So they don't even pay to come and get on the buck and bulls, buck and horses, uh, and practice. Where they would go somewhere else and do it in practice, we stop in the middle and we have a, a devotion time for, for, uh, all the kids. We've had a, uh, we've had a great turnout, uh, of that. In fact, on Cowboy Church Ministries, no, on Silverado Cowboy Church, if you look at the, the header, silveratocowboychurch.org, the header is 
one of those Bible studies in the middle of the arena. And uh, when we stopped the bucket bowls one night, and they just listened while we did a, a devotional and and things. So really, it's uh, I believe anything that you can do to uh, help people uh, be in touch with the gospel and and uh, have their lives changed to, to whatever it takes. That's okay to do. What would you would you? Would... Have any limitations on that, David? Would there be anything that you would say, I uh, just can't go for that? In other words, you, you, made a, you made a pretty general statement there. You know, anything that, that would sort of get you in touch with people and... and uh, well, okay, let's, so let's put a... Yeah, I put a limitation on it. But it goes against anything that the Bible talks about, uh, anything that would not uh, be... Uh, producing fruit uh, with the gospel if it, if it went against anything that that uh, would not be appropriate uh, with the gospel then yes it, we, we should do that and I think we would agree with that a hundred percent so I think we've got some agreement there on on that um, David you you mentioned how this started so this was sort of uh, there were folks at a location a rodeo where you wanted to you wanted to have a worship service, and so it began like that, and it has morphed. I think, as you have stated, it's morphed from it's just folks happen to be at an arena wanting to have a worship service to now the actual environment is the draw, uh, the, and the 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 rodeo is the draw, the the barrel racing and so forth is the draw that you're trying to draw people to you so you can have an opportunity to contact them. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, and, uh, one of the things that uh, that you will find in the cowboy ministry is, and her in the cowboy churches, not the cowboy ministry, but cowboy ministry is what I call uh, the part where you're going to rodeos, ropes, horse shows. But uh, in the cowboy churches, we found out that there is a diversity. I I, I don't believe in any way, shape, or form you should water the gospel down to try to, to uh, accommodate people. And one of the things that I have found in some of the cowboy churches, and not particularly connected to any certain denomination, it really depends on who's pastoring and, and how they're doing. There is some compromise of the, the standards that that we would all know as 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 uh, Protestants uh, to be a compromise to the gospel. There is no compromise to the gospel, and uh, and it's tough when uh, people have got used to something. Uh, there's there's a, a certain group of, of cowboy churches that I know I've heard of them say uh, we don't talk about money, so they don't pass the hat uh, or pass. You don't, you don't do an offering. Or, you know, like our church, we don't do an offering, but we have boxes around where people can give their offering. And, and uh, because of, of what uh, Jesus said, and it really doesn't matter what uh, what denomination you are, there are certain things that are the tenets of faith that should not be compromised in any way, shape, or form. So I, yeah, I was talking to a gentleman uh, a few weeks ago who had visited a cowboy church, and uh, he was put off by it. He said that they were playing George Strait and Garth Brooks, and they didn't really, I don't think he ever saw a Bible there. So you would have a problem with that then? Well, it's not, uh, we're not putting on a show. It's still church. Now, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I do have a problem when we're just uh, it becomes a big show, and, I, and I've heard that with some of them. So, but so I, this is sort of uh, uh, an eye opener to me that there there are different people calling themselves Cowboy Church, and you you wouldn't necessarily, although you were one of the very first ones to sort of get this ball rolling, you would not necessarily uh, have an. Uh, uh, a fellowship or, a, uh, or or an agreement necessarily with everybody who's identifying themselves these days as a cowboy church. Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, it, you know, as as one of the early uh, 
founders. I've, I've actually been in the ministry uh, in November, 41 years, as one of the early founders in the in the cowboy churches. Uh, we did it with the thought of no compromise, and, and uh, you know, the, the gospel's not watered down. It is uh, it is uh, the only way to Jesus Christ, and, and we have to stay that way. You know, baptism is is part of the uh, tenets of faith that Jesus taught. And so when you look at all the things, if we're going to water any any part of that down just to try to accommodate people, then you might as well go play golf. We would That would be a, a conviction. Uh, that would be our conviction as well. Yeah. Uh, Dave, let me ask you a quick question. I want to go back to the statement you said that uh, there would be limits on what we could do, and uh, you said anything that would violate uh, the commands of Scripture or not produce fruit would be something you'd say, I want to draw the line there. Uh, and that's definitely our conviction as well. Um, do you, uh, this is a conviction we have, let's see if you ha- hold the same conviction. Do you do you hold the conviction that you, you've got to have authority for the things that you do, that you need to go to the Bible and be able to say, yes, God approves of what I'm doing, uh, and I can have confidence in that, rather than just going on uh, feelings or maybe even results in in your in your uh, circumstances uh, that you've got you've got to go that we need to be able to go to the Bible and say, here, this is where God says this is what He wants me to do, and I'm doing that, and I have faith that He's He's pleased with it. Yes, in fact, if you go to uh either SilveradoCowboyChurch.org or CowboyChurchMinistries.org, which I've, I know that you guys have, uh, you also know that I post a tenets of faith on there, and one of them is, it, it is the inspired Word of God, and it's uh, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit for men to write, and it is the standard of life. Yeah, you said, you said it this way, the Bible is the inspired Word of God and is the infallible rule of faith and conduct. There you go. Yeah. And, that, and that's and, and and that has to be uh, uh, a seven-day-a-week uh, lifestyle. I will tell you another thing that I we have got uh, a conviction about that uh, I really got from the fact that uh, when you look, uh, God says in, in the Old Testament, he said uh, that, Man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. In other words, we need to have a day of rest. And so at one time, we had thought about doing some outreaches on Sunday afternoon. But we're also teaching our people that you got to rest. You can't play harder than you would work all week and then go to work and be tired. Your body needs rest. You need to spend time with your family. Uh, and so, in fact, we don't have... This is our conviction. We don't have church on Sunday night because I've always told people on Sunday night, you know, you're busy in life. Your kids play baseball. They do all kinds of things. Go home and spend time with your family on Sunday night. Um, and so we don't do those kind of outreaches uh, like Buck Bulls or, or Team Rope or anything on Sundays. Now, back to your um your statement there about that it is that the Bibles are infallible rule of faith and conduct, which we agree with. We'd we'd have to go. We'd have to in order for us to have faith that God is pleased with the Buck and Bulls part of our church service or our outreach or the calf roping. Uh, we'd have to be able to go to the scriptures and and see that that God approves of that. And how do you? And I think you would as well. How do you go? Where do you go to the scriptures to know that God's pleased with the calf roping? And the yeah, what, what riding? would be what would be the the scriptural parallel, David? In other words, you're saying we use this as a way to get to people. We use the cowboy experience as a way to as an outreach. I think you used the word outreach. This is a, this is a method of getting to people. What would be your parallel in New Testament times as we read in the scripture of, of them? using a similar methodology, obviously not cowboyism, but something else like it. Chariot racing, maybe. Well, if you look at uh, at the, the apostles and disciples in the early church found, found that they were fishermen, uh, whether, uh, and, and most of them by 
by trade, or, or a lot of them by trade, prior to uh, coming to Jesus. But you find they did go back and fish. And so, you know, I mean, that's something that they they did. Uh, I, and I know they did it uh, to eat, but at the same time, they did it because that's what they knew how to do. Uh, one of the things that is uh, not okay when you look at calf roping, uh, team roping, uh, bucking horses, bucking bulls, is uh, abuse of animals. And I know this comes into a, a play anytime you're anywhere farther west from where you live and I live. Uh, they uh, <laughs> they have people that yeah. get into that. And, and one of the things that I believe would not please my father in any way is if I abused animals, and that's one thing we won't stand for. There's there's no abuse of the animals that we do that with. Uh, any kind of uh, bull or bucking horse that we would use, they are uh, they're bred that way, and that they would do that no matter what you did, what what you did. So there's no reason to for abuse of those animals, and we wouldn't stand for that. Right, but, hey, uh, right, but that. Back, so. yeah, right, we, and we would agree on that with that as well. But back to the idea of using the bucking bulls and the calf roping as uh, as a way to reach people. Again, from the scriptures, do you, I don't do you see an example where we could or, or a parallel that we could use? Because we have trouble seeing that, and we differ with folks not on necessarily on not just on the bull riding and the and the barrel ro- racing. But we also agree with folks who use their basketball arena for that uh, purpose, because there, there are folks who expressly state that their basketball arena is their is their outreach. Yeah, uh, we don't find a, we don't find a parallel in the scriptures of that. We don't see, for instance, we don't see the Apostle Paul as he was trying to reach out to folks uh, using similar tactics. Right. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know that I can give you a parallel for it. Okay. That's, that, that's a fair answer. We, we accept that. Hey, David, I, we're going to end up keeping you a lot longer than I indicated, and I want to. I don't want to do that because I want to. I want to be uh, try to keep us within the time frame. We had real quick. We had some questions emailed in to you, and, I, and I'm just going to sort of paraphrase them. Uh, and, and let's just do this, you know, uh, rapid fire kind of thing. Give me a quick answer. Okay. Uh, got an email from Ramona in Texas who asked about uh, the idea. On uh, on your tenets of faith, you mentioned total prosperity, spiritual, mental uh, health, and financial. Uh, do you do you teach the sort of what we sometimes identify as the health and wealth gospel? I do. Okay, so uh, Peter Peter says, "By his stripes we were healed," and and he is uh, of course quoting. Isaiah, where in uh, the 53rd chapter, uh, where it says that uh, he was uh, for our griefs and uh, was chastised for our sickness, and then Peter in uh, in his letters says uh, Peter, First Peter 2:24, he said, "By his stripes we were healed." Okay. And so I, I believe in. Uh, how do we? How do we, just a real quick follow up on that? Just this is from me as a follow up. How do how do we reconcile that with the fact that a lot of faithful first century Christians weren't healthy and prosperous because of their faith? They were persecuted and thrown in jail. And Paul, for instance, said he'd lost everything he ever had by virtue of his allegiance to well, Christ. Well, Jesus also said this. He said that, that anybody that gives up, uh, this is in Mark. Uh, the 10th chapter, he says, anybody that gives up house, home, father, mother, brothers, sisters, for the sake of the gospel, uh, would be repaid uh, 30, 60, and 100 fold, but he also said, with persecutions, and uh, we we also, and, I, and I'm just kind of, uh, I'm going to give you an example, we also have uh, churches in, uh, my wife and I have, uh, eight churches in Nigeria and one in Lome, Togo, uh, and 
there are many times that uh, you suffer persecution in those places. Yeah. We, you know, we live in a land where we, at this time, have not suffered that kind of persecution. And uh, It might be coming, David. It might be coming. I understand that, yeah. and, I, and I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let, let me move on to some other questions real quick, Dave, because I'm keeping you too long here. But uh, from Sharon in South Carolina, she asked about uh, one of your tenets of faith. You talk about uh, the evidence of prayer language, the promise of the Father, the evidence of prayer language. Uh, uh, are, are you? Uh, do you practice speaking in tongues? Yes, we do. So you, you're, not, you're of a... That, go ahead. That, that is our, uh, in our own... Uh, church and and several of the cowboy churches that are either uh, word of faith or charismatic. Yes. Okay. Not so, all of them do. So that, but that's that's the sort of the branch of this movement that you are. You're more the charismatic versus the Southern Baptist. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Uh, got a KB in Mississippi uh, has written in um, about the idea of. Uh, uh, salvation by faith only, and, and in regards, to, and, and I even see on your website several pictures of you baptizing people. What's your What's your view? Uh, I think we understand it. I think we've studied it before on this program. But what's your view about salvation by faith and about the practice of baptism? Well, uh, salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. Peter says it. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. We know that in, in the book of Acts. Uh, baptism is uh, a tenet of faith that we are supposed to be baptized. Uh, I have to, uh, and, and I know, I, I am very familiar with what you guys believe. Um, one of the rodeo cowboys is, that's a very good friend of mine is also Church of Christ, and we have had this discussion many times. Um, I don't believe there's any, any uh, room for not being baptized. Uh, but I also uh, have to look at the thief on the cross that Jesus said to the angel be in paradise with me, and I realized he didn't have an opportunity to be baptized. So I, I don't, you know, that's, uh, again, uh, I am, uh, I don't believe there's a, a, an option in being baptized, but I do believe that uh, uh, it's by faith that we receive Jesus Christ, not by our, our acts. Okay. I uh, got an email from Jim in Kentucky, and he asked you about the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't see this quote on your website, but it may be there. He says that on the website he read that you believe the Holy Spirit has given us today exactly as it was uh, given to the disciples on Pentecost. Um. But then he goes on to mention in Acts 8 uh, with the people in Samaria and in Acts 19, some disciples in Ephesus, they received the, the miraculous measures of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of the apostles' hands. Uh, how, how do you think people receive the Holy Spirit today? In other words, he's saying he sees uh, the, that the apostles were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but others received it by the laying on of their hands um, how do you believe people receive the Holy Spirit today? Simply by re- by receiving the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it, it can't be by the laying on of hands, but uh, let's look at the example of uh, Cornelius' house in uh, Caesarea when Peter was there, knowing even that Cornelius was a Gentile. Uh, and uh, Peter said, we saw that they received the Holy Spirit just the same as we did. And uh, what, what else could he have seen by, uh, that, that he knew was them receiving the Holy Spirit other than what they had done on the day of Pentecost? He said, so how could we withhold water from them? In other words, he had to baptize them in water after that because he saw that they'd, been, they'd received the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, go ahead, Jacob. I just one question, David. Uh, just out of curiosity, how does the, the speaking in tongues work in, in your in your congregation, in your church? As far as how, how do you how do you view how do you see that? How does that work? Um, when and when does that happen in your in your in your worship service? Uh, well, that's not a that's not necessarily a portion of the church service. Uh, 
um, and if you uh, if you watch on us, we live stream all of our church services on the internet, so you can see. Uh, in fact, uh, oh, there's many uh, archived videos of theirs, and you'll find that that's uh, that's a private thing. The Bible t- teaches that uh, if it's done in the church, it has to be interpreted. Okay, right, it does. Okay, all right. Those uh, we appreciate those quick answers to some very challenging. We we could talk all night, David, about some of those things, and uh, I think you and I could sit down across the kitchen table some some time, probably spend the whole night just talking no, scripture. No, 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 you don't do that. You sit around a campfire. Well, yeah, campfire might be even better, right, David? That'd be, that'd be even better. Hey, David, we, I don't know when it's hot. When it's hot like this, it's sit around an air conditioner in a hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> David, we appreciate your time tonight. I think uh, that we see that we probably got some pretty serious differences on doctrinal things. We knew that going in, but we know a little bit more about you and about what you're doing. We know a little bit more about what you believe, and that's what this was about. We wanted to get that information. Uh, a lot of people are interested in knowing more about the Cowboy Church movement, and we really appreciate your generous uh uh, giving of time tonight to uh, help us understand a little bit more about that. And uh, we appreciate you very much for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. Yes, thank you, sir. God bless you guys. Thanks, David. Have a good evening. All right. Uh, Bye-bye. Appreciate David for joining us tonight. And we pr- we will uh, get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts uh, and, and comments about the things you just heard. Give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Lord, when I'm wrong, make me willing to change. When I'm right, make me easy to live with. The world belongs to the man who is wise enough to change his mind in the presence of facts. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight again. I want to uh, say thank you uh, to David Simmons for joining us on the program tonight to explain his Cowboy Church movement. Uh, we have not introduced Monty. Monty's been behind the board all night. Monty. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. Give, give us a, give us an impression, Monty. What do you what 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 you just heard? Well, I'm not sure <laughs> how to describe what I just heard. Really, uh, he believes in things that I believe that the Bible clearly teaches, like the speaking in tongues and spiritual gift type things. The Bible's clear that those have those abilities have expired, and he. I got the impression he felt like they could lay hands on people today and, in, and impart spiritual gifts. And the only way that we know of in the scripturally that that was done was by the laying on of the apostles' hands. And uh, that was observed even by Simon the sorcerer understood that he was able to observe that that's how that was done. So I don't believe people have the abilities to yeah. do these spiritual gifts today according to what yeah. the Bible teaches. I so, think if we had a chance to talk to him in, in more at more length, we we would really have a lot of issues with him. Of course, we obviously have issue with him in regards to the fact that the Holy Spirit is still empowering people to do miraculous things today because we don't believe that. We'll talk a little bit more about that and how, and we, as you were saying, Monty, we would have a difference in what he was saying about how those gifts are imparted. Uh, there would be some real problems there. Um, but we have problems, so we have problems with what the Bible explicitly teaches. But we also have problems with this whole cowboy church concept in general not because of what the bible explicitly teaches about it but because of what the bible doesn't say things about we don't find any example of folks using these types of tactics as a drawing card yeah. to get people to yeah, come let, to let's start there because then and then we can get more into some of these doctrinal things but let's start with there with the idea of should we use 
various, and I don't want this to, I, I like David Simmons. I, I mean, I, I think, he, like you said, Jacob, he's the kind of guy we'd love to sit around a campfire yeah. with. And and, yeah. uh, and although I'm not a horse rider, I, I imagine I'd love to go ride horses with him. But, yeah. uh, but we would have real differences. And I don't want this to sound like I'm putting him down. But I'm gonna I'm gonna just say the word gimmick. This seems to me to be a gimmick to get to people, and then try to put some religion on them, so to speak. Yeah, it and it's it's extra. Well, it, it 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 hits your shocks your senses more with the the calf roping and the bull riding and the barrel racing. But it's not it's not isolated with the cowboy church. It's in basically every church. In your yeah. community tonight. I know. And, I, and you made this point when we were talking to David Simmons, and I think it was a really good one. I think a lot of people would say, are you kidding me? Using a rodeo calf roping and bull riding? You're gonna, And then you're going to try to get uh, have a devotional with them? Sort of stop that for a minute. Let's have a devotional. Yeah. Are you kidding me? They would say. But they're, they're doing exactly the same thing. They got the, they've got their family life centers and their basketball and their softball. And so, uh, they get together and they, and, and they play sports and then they're going to try to squeeze in a little bit of a devotional sometime during yeah. the, during the game. What is the difference? There is no difference. And it, uh, it is, well, it's either, it's, I don't, I guess what it comes down to in my mind is that people are somewhat ashamed of the gospel. Or they, or they doubt the power of the gospel. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think now. Uh, I don't think David Simmons is ashamed of the gospel. Yeah, but I, but I would wonder if, and maybe he's never thought this through. But is it, does he does he not believe that the gospel is strong enough to draw people itself? Yeah. Um, yeah. You 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 uh, mentioned this when you, you know, when we were talking with him. Where's where's the example of the apostle Paul? Or any of the apostles using such methodology. When we asked him that, he seemed like he struggled. He even said, I'm not sure I can give you a parallel. He mentioned that the apostles were fishermen. Well, that was their occupation before Jesus called them. They were ready to go back to that after Jesus was crucified, but he was resurrected, and so they devoted their lives to preaching the gospel. But they never had a fishing contest. They didn't, you know, they, they, they didn't have a, uh, big bass or big catfish uh, tournament on the Sea of Galilee yeah. to try and get two people. They didn't do that. And and he was honest enough to say, I don't know that you could parallel what we're doing in the Bible. And I would agree with him. I don't think there is a parallel to that. Now, if there's not, then this goes to the question that that we, we didn't credit Dallas uh, who wrote in, not Dallas, Texas, but... Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh, but a fellow named Dallas from Chattanooga, from Chattanooga, who uh, wrote and asked about the authority. Is it important to have authority for the cowboy church? Does the cowboy church feel like it's important to have authority to do uh, what it's doing? He he said yes, but then also had to give that away by saying, "I don't." He said, "I don't see any parallel to this." Now, in 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 business, we call something like this a lost leader. For instance, the grocery store. They're selling asparagus and rutabaga and things like that, but they don't try and get people to come to their store because of the asparagus. What they do is they'll put the ice cream on sale for half off. They'll they'll sell the soft drinks for 50 cents a two liter so that when you come in, then you might buy the asparagus and the other things that they're trying to sell. It's a lost leader. That seems to be what we're seeing in the cowboy church, in the denominations around us, is we're pulling people in with the rodeo we're pulling people in with the sports leagues we're pulling people in with the movie nights and while they're here we'll try and slip a little gospel in on them yeah a large uh our church in the community we live in is doing this such a thing this weekend with uh they've rented the a local park city park and they're having the world or the this town's biggest free kids event and they're having the inflatables hot dogs balloons pony rides trying to Get people to come so they can maybe slip a little gospel in on them. Yeah, it's uh, it's we don't find any parallels in the scriptures. It contradicts what Paul said in Romans one sixteen that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God into salvation. And when he went to a new town, he didn't set up a carnival. He didn't start set up pony rides. There's just a total he, void of that. In he the didn't scripture. do any calf roping. He just preached the gospel, and so it seems to be 
counter to what we see in the scriptures. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's the key. And, and I, we would really want to press David about that, that there's a lack of authority for this sort of, a, of a, an approach, I think. Now, it's not, this is not just an uh, academic discussion. There are practical implications of this. Because David says we can go as far as the calf roping in the bull riding. Most folks would say, no, that's too far. But we'll do the basketball. But if you can have your basketball, David can have his calf roping. And I can have my demolition derby. And your demolition derby. And your skydiving for Jesus. Whatever you want, you can do it. Because once you say, well, I'm going to do this, but I can't find a parallel in the scriptures. I can't find authority. I can't do it by faith because I can't see that God said anything about it but I'm going to do this, then anything goes. You've opened up that, well, you've opened up the barn door, so to speak, and you better be ready for anything that's going to come through it. Yeah. Um, let's see, where are we? Let's let's grab a, another quick break, and when we come back, let's just touch on some of these doctrinal things that we that we came across. I, I think the big I think the big point that we take away from this cowboy church thing is the question of what should we use to draw people. And, and and we would differ with David on this, and I think it really sort of our discussion with him sort of exposed that difference that we would have with him. Uh, but then then in the course of that discussion, several doctrinal things come up, and we, we need to comment briefly about them. So let's grab a quick break and then come back and hit those doctrinal things as we take the, the program We're on out. Get a break, and don't go anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. On average, children aged 2 to 5 spend 32 hours a week in front of a TV, watching television, DVDs, DVR, and videos, and using a game console. Kids aged 6 to 11 spend about 28 hours a week in front of the TV. 71% of 8 through 18-year-olds have a TV in their bedroom. 54% have a DVD VCR player. 37% have cable or satellite TV. And 20% have premium channels. In about two-thirds of American households, the TV is usually on during meals. In 53% of households with 7th through 12th graders, there are no rules about TV watching. Kids with a TV in their bedroom spend an average of almost one and a half hours more per day watching TV than kids without a TV in the bedroom. All of that information is via the University of Michigan Health System. The Word of God says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, and uh, we want to hear from you. The chat room has been uh, pretty silent tonight. Uh, let us hear your thoughts in the chat room tonight. Yeah, give us your impressions of uh, our, our discussion with David Simmons of the Cowboy Church Ministries, and let us know what you think. We we need to comment just just briefly. Uh, we could spend the, uh, an hour each on these points uh, and have in the past actually, but certainly water baptism. Uh, 
the tenets of faith of the Cowboy Church Ministries is uh, that salvation is by faith, uh, by accepting Jesus as Savior, being spiritually born again. Uh, but when we asked David about baptism, he he agreed that there's no option about baptism. I, 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 and now he's not the first person I ever talked to who made that distinction, but that seems like a curiosity to me. How do you, if it's if it's not necessary, then but how can you say there's no option? You have to be. If there's no option and you have to be, it sounds like it's necessary. Money, what do you think? Either you've got to do it or you don't. If if there's no option about it, you've got to do it, as he said, then it's a necessary thing, and it would be a condition of salvation. I don't see any way around it. But if you're saying, well, I'm saved by faith only and not, it doesn't include baptism, but you've got to be baptized, it's like talking in a circle, and he's not really getting anywhere with that. Yeah. And uh, he mentioned he has trouble accepting that baptism is required for salvation because, uh, well, the thief on the cross was not baptized, was well, not we don't unable know to baptize. Well, that's uh, that's a true statement, uh, but he was not baptized with uh, the Christian baptism. We know that much, uh, and we he uh, says, well, he was going to be with Christ in paradise that day, and certainly he was. But we have to point out that the thief on the cross lived under a different dispensation under the Old Testament covenant, that covenant which Jesus took out of the way on his on the cross in Colossians two verses fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, and. As a matter of fact, the, the thief's had, baptism would not have been uh, significant under the Christian dispensation because Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says, or do, you, or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. The baptism we uh, practice today is a figure of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It wouldn't make any sense hadn't for the thief happened, on the cross. It hadn't even happened when the thief on the cross received that blessing. We've we've studied that episode so many times. It's just really hard for me to understand why people don't grasp the, the truth about the thief on the cross. Uh, what happened to the thief on the cross? He received a direct blessing from Jesus. I mean, bottom line, he, Jesus was here in person, and he directly blessed the guy. If Jesus was here directly today, he could bless us. Uh, in the same way but he's not therefore the only way we get the blessing is through adhering to his will what he said and he told us how he would bless us in mark 15 or 16 verses 15 to 16 go into the uh, world all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned jesus said you want to be saved believe and be baptized uh so we do believe baptism is required for salvation does it earn our salvation it is not a work that merits or earns our salvation but it is uh, required in order to be saved. Yeah. Monty, you had, I meant to go to you when we came back from that break, you had kind of an interesting observation about this uh, fella and how he got into this and where it is now. Is sort of it's, How it started and how it is now is sort of different. It seems that from what he was saying that the way he got started in this, they were going to rodeos anyway and these different uh, cowboy-type events. And on Sundays, people were kind of getting together and having a Bible study. And so basically, it seems that he basically organized it into a, we might use the term, legitimate church service type thing. But it seems initially they were having Bible studies where there is at. And now it seems like... In other words, like there were rodeos. They were and, rodeos. And, and a they Bible were going study to broke out. About, yeah, a Bible <laughs> study busted loose at a rodeo. But it does now it seems like he's using these cowboy type events in order to lure people to a Bible study. So it's transitioned from probably what was a legitimate way to start out with to a way that we wouldn't find authority for now. Yeah, it, he admitted that it was now the drawing card, the rodeos mm-hmm. and the barrel yeah. racing, and so yeah. forth. It was the it was the it is the drawing card now, and sort of uh, to get people to come. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we talked about baptism. We, uh, one of our doctrinal dis- differences would be there. Another would be the, the speaking in tongues and the, and the, the uh, miraculous action of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the age of miracles has ended. Uh, one of those miracles, just one of the many miracles that the Holy Spirit empowered men to do was the speaking in tongues. He calls it prayer language. Uh, he agrees that if you were going to do it in a church service, there would have to be an interpreter present. 1 Corinthians 14 teaches that. Uh, but we believe that that has ended. There's three reasons. We, as we've studied, and we've studied this on the Virgin Bible study in the past, we probably should do it again soon. 
The reason why we believe there are no miracles today, one is they had a specific purpose which has been fulfilled. They were for the purpose of confirming the revealed word of God. Uh, when, When the inspired people of the first century spoke and wrote by inspiration, they were able to perform miracles to prove that what they were saying was from God. So it had a purpose, but the purpose has been fulfilled. You, know, you don't have to keep reaffirming or revalidating what's already been confirmed to mankind. Second re- the second reason why we think that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are no longer available goes to this thing that you were mentioning a minute ago, uh, Monty, about how these gifts were imparted. In the first century, people received the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit in only one of two ways. One way was by the direct baptism of the Holy Spirit. The apostles experienced that on the day of Pentecost and Cornelius's household experienced that in Acts chapter 10. The significance of Cornelius being that he was the first Gentile convert to Christianity. It's the only two instances of Holy Spirit baptism that we read in the New Testament. It was not a common thing. Uh, the more prevalent way that people received miraculous gifts was by the laying on of the apostles' hands. A real eye-opening episode of that is in Acts 8. Philip was in Samaria. Philip was a man who could do miracles. He was doing miracles in Samaria. The people saw, heard what he was teaching, saw the miracles he was performing. They believed and they were baptized. But Philip couldn't lay hands on them. He could not impart spiritual gifts to them. It required Peter and John to come there and do it. And from that episode, we see that the apostles could lay hands on people and impart spiritual gifts. But that was the end. In other words, that was a one-generational pass the person who thus received it could not pass it on to someone else. Uh, no one today has the power to lay hands on people and impart spiritual gifts to them. So so the purpose has been fulfilled. The means of receiving spiritual gifts has ended. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning verse 8 through the end of the chapter, plainly teaches that spiritual gifts were going to end when God's complete revelation of mankind was made known, and it has now been made known. And in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning of verse 8, it specifically says that one of those things that will be done away is the speaking in tongues. Verse 8, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away that perfect being the revealed word of God, the complete revelation of God's will, that has been completed, uh, and now there is no more a need, and the scriptures say that these things have ceased, including the speaking in tongues. Okay, so again, we would have some, uh, he, but David identifies himself as charismatic, you know, and I don't know if all of our listeners uh, really relate to that idea of charismatic uh, but it comes from the word charisma. It has to do with the Holy Spirit. Most of our people would probably connect that more with the idea of Pentecostal-type religion, mm-hmm. which believes in that sort of thing. Okay. Um, and then one more thing that I picked up on that he talked about, and that was this health and wealth gospel. Uh, uh, Again, these were questions submitted by our listeners after yeah. they had viewed his website and uh, and had questions about his beliefs. And so one uh, listener, the Ramona in Texas, asked about this idea. That he said one of their tenets is total prosperity, John 10, verse 10, spiritual, mental, health, financial. Yeah. Um, in answer, he said he did believe in the, the health and wealth yeah. gospel, the yeah. prosperity gospel. Didn't hesitate at all. Uh, and when asked about that, he referred to First Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 25, we were ye were as sheep going astray, but now are returning to the shepherd bishop of your soul. Give me the previous verse, verse twenty four. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed. Um, uh, and and he was he was correct in saying that that connects to Isaiah chapter fifty three, uh, verse five. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's not talking about physical healing. You know, in other words, he 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 cited that uh, in reference to health and wealth. And the health and wealth gospel says, if you serve the Lord faithfully, you're going to be healthy and wealthy. 
And so and, and he's he's saying that the healing, his stripes healed us, is a physical healing. That's not what the context of Isaiah or First Peter is talking about. It's talking about spiritual healing. By his stripes, we are healed of our iniquities. Did you notice there in Isaiah chapter 53, that very verse says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. All that's talking about spiritual, about our yeah. sins. Yeah. By his stripes, we are healed. It's talking about the heal, the spiritual healing, the remedy for our, our sin sickness. That's what those verses are talking and about. And those who, who promote this idea of, of health and wealth do misunderstand or misapply the promises, the abundant promises for spiritual well-being, spiritual health, spiritual prosperity. They misapply those to the physical realm. He in his uh, statement of faith, he references John 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, The thief does not come to steal, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Well, certainly Jesus does want us to have life and have it abundantly. But that's not a guarantee for physical prosperity, but it's a guarantee for spiritual prosperity. Exactly. It did not work out that way for so many of the first century Christians, including Paul, who said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, the physical, but at the things which are not seen, that would be the spiritual, for the things which are not uh, which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So did Jesus come to give the Apostle Paul life and uh, life abundantly? Well, certainly he did. But that wasn't a, the physical result of uh, in Paul's life. It was a spiritual result. Yeah. In fact, you want to know what how things turned out for Paul, Paul physically? He says um, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, thing, those things that were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul lost everything. He, he, he was a wealthy, influential Jew. When he became a Christian, he lost all of that and ended up losing his life for Christ. It, I, don't think the, I don't think you could convince the Apostle Paul that the health and wealth gospel is really an effective thing. Monty? You know, we were studying in class last night in Acts chapter 9, I believe it was, on Paul, Saul's conversion on the way to Damascus. And when God, the Spirit, came and talked to Ananias and said, I want you to go talk to Paul and tell him what he's got to do. And he says, because I'm going to show him all the things he's going to have to suffer for my name's sake. Paul didn't go into this blind thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to serve Jesus and I'm going to have all sorts of great health and wealth and all this is going to be wonderful. He was shown in advance that you're going to be suffering and you're going to, all bad things are going to happen to you if you serve me and did it anyway. So Paul didn't believe in the health and wealth doctrine. He believed in, I'm going to suffer for this doctrine. Yeah, and Jesus foretold that his apostles, when he was here on this earth, they were going to drink the same cup that he was going to drink. They were going to have to suffer physically. Yeah. And so he was not he, he was not uh, promising them that uh, life would just be flowers and butterflies, that it was going to be hard. Okay. You know, one of the things we didn't talk to David about that we probably should have mentioned, he kept mentioning his wife's involvement as a pastor mm-hmm. in these churches and so forth. And, uh, of course, uh, that would be completely without authority and a violation of scriptural principles of women and their headship over men. Uh, we didn't get to that. A lot of things. Uh, I, I got to say, again, I think we would really like David as a person. He seemed like a very nice guy. Very, He was very generous with his time to talk with us and didn't hesitate at all when I called him to ask if he would join us for, on the virtual Bible study. And I really admire that in people that they're willing to talk about what they believe, even when it's understood. He understood. I told him on the phone, we're going to have some differences, and we'll probably want to bring those out. Sure. He didn't have... You wouldn't expect anything else out of a cowboy, though, would you? Yes, because because I've tried for over a year to get the guy at the cowboy church here in Columbia to come on the virtual Bible study with us. And finally this week, he says, no, I'm just not going to do that. He says, I, I, I just, I just don't want to, I, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be any benefit to doing that. He said, well, I think there is a benefit. Even though we differ, we understand, we, we come to understand our differences better and it gives a chance uh, for us to explain where we're coming from. And it might have been that we were wrong and he could have showed us where we, what we needed to change in order to be right with God. So there is a benefit to having these discussions. Exactly. 
and look forward to more discussions, maybe even with David someday, on uh, on our differences, because that is certainly how we can uh, come to as well. Randy is in the chat room tonight, and he says that he references Ephesians 4, verses 3 through 7, being eager to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you were also called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, the one above all and through all and in you all. But each one of us was given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Randy mentions there the unity that God wants wants for his believers, expects for his, and demands for his believers. And that only can come by a study and application of God's word. And so we appreciate that comment from Randy tonight. All right. We're out of time. But I I hope everybody uh, benefited by the chance to learn a little bit more about some of the cowboy church. Yeah movement. Monty, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, thank you for your time. Thanks, Thanks again uh, to David uh, Simmons for uh, yeah. joining us on the program tonight. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being here. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.